You found it. No nonsense. No scripts. Real people on real issues. Hard hitting and action packed with logic, reason, and common sense. Everything you need and everything you've been looking for in a podcast. This is Dynamic Independence with Johnny Anderson, Bruce Adams, Marty Foster, and GP. Welcome to it. Good afternoon, gentlemen. I know, I know, it is an honor to get him two days in a row. It's rare. It's rare, but we do get him direct from L.A. GP, how are you? Is this where you insert my voice? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, this is our deep fake production because we're we're talking to you out in Hollywood. Do do I sound a lot like him? All right, good, good. Got it. We have to do something. We have to get the effects guys on the uh, the eyeballs. You notice that when Joe Biden talks, that. when it's a deep fake. Oh, did I say that? Where, where the eyeballs yeah. are all messed up. Yeah, he's standing in front of a green screen. I need to go back. Would he I heard this sideways. Today. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I ne- I need to go back and I need to watch his uh, his address. You know the one on where he was talking about July Fourth. If everyone gets a vaccine, then uh-huh. you, you might be able to have a small barbecue in your backyard on on American Independence Day. Yeah. I need to go back and I need to watch that because some people are telling me that watch for the green screen in there. If you look at his eyes, because that that's uh-huh. one place where deep fakes have a little bit of a problem is getting the eyes correct. So that, that seems to be a little bit of an issue. But if you look, if someone does a deep fake and it's not quite precise, you know, if it's not done precisely, uh-huh. then the eyes look a little bit hollow. That's very interesting. And they say that in that particular press conference or speech or whatever in the hell hell it was. Mm -hmm. They said, go back and watch that. And so I need to watch it in its entirety uh, rather than just play a, you know, a whatever from him. Right. And uh, I I need to watch the whole thing. uh, Before we get started, Bruce, how you doing? Bruce, how are you? Yeah, uh, healthy alive. Um, To be fair, someone that has the coloration of their eyes, the name slipping, it's the same as their pupil. When, you know, their their eyes are so dark that the pupil and the the color of their eyes are the same color, Uh it's difficult to, to, to see... For me personally, that's one hell of a pupil dilation, though. Like if your if your pupils are dilated that much, then no, no, you're... not not pupil dilation. It's that they're dark, they're like they're brown eyed, if you will, or they're dark colored eyes, and it's really similar color to their pupil. It's actually difficult for me to gauge emotion and to gauge that person. So to say that a deep fake is hollow looking. That that's not entirely fair because I know even meeting someone in person, sometimes they can feel like hollow, even though they're not. You get what I'm saying? Like, it, yeah, anyway. well, yeah, but that's just, I think I would a, chalk a that up to like personality. Person. Uh, not necessarily personality. It's it's I, I'm meaning specifically on the uh, physical, uh, like reading someone, gauging someone based on uh, the phys- physical actions and and face gestures and everything. Might be just a personal thing. Might be just my own little mm-hmm. disability, if you will. Okay. Whatever. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. We are going to talk about Biden today because now all of a sudden we've been hearing talk about gun legislation that's coming. And I find it interesting that now we have a couple of shootings for them to base that gun legislation on. Don't you guys find that interesting that they're literally in the process? It it always happens this way. It always happens this way. There's a pattern to this. Now, I'm not going to sit here and connect dots and go all conspiratorial, but I just find it rather interesting that every time we are getting ready to move forward on some kind of, uh, how do they call it? Common sense gun legislation. Then there's always an incident somewhere. And right on cue, here we are. 
but we're not going to start off with that. I want to talk about but something else. You got to understand there's guns incidents every single day in this country. I understand. I understand. But they they use certain ones to focus in on. I, yeah, but we'll get I, I, we'll get into that. We will get into that. I want to hold that for later. Right okay. now, I want to lead with this one specifically because you're in here, GP. Mm-hmm. And this is good. They reference Los Angeles in this one. Now, I haven't read this. This is an op-ed piece out of Slate. Okay. Because we've talked about this many times here before, and it's a growing problem in the United States, most notably in Los Angeles. We've got you out in Los Angeles. You're on the ground out there. Mm -hmm. You do a lot of charity work with the homeless out in Los Angeles, Mm -hmm. uh, and you work with outreach programs and things of that nature. So I want to talk about this. Uh, That's why this one caught me specifically. We could solve the homeless problem if we wanted. Again, that's an op-ed out of Slate. Now that's interesting. Okay. We've talked we've talked about the homeless problem here several times, and it is a it is a growing concern, and it's something that uh, that all of us have a uh, have a deep seated issue with in order to get it fixed. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, clearly, throwing money at it, right? That doesn't seem to be the answer. And I'm wondering. No. I haven't read this yet, but I'm wondering if they are going to draw the same conclusion, if that's what it means. But I want to go down through this. In Los Angeles, a neighborhood has gone to war with itself over a tent city in a park. Mm-hmm. A lot of tent cities and Echo parks. Park? Oh my, every park. Every single park has a tent in the major ones. But yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Philadelphia. All right. Mm-hmm. Philadelphia. The transit authority said it would close a subway station, cutting off an entire neighborhood from transit service because of disorder related to the local homeless population. Now, I don't mm-hmm. know about Los Angeles specifically, but I do talk to we people that I know. Yeah, I know there's not subways, but I do talk to people specifically that are in San Francisco, and mm-hmm. they say that the homeless up there in San Francisco are extremely aggressive out in the streets. Mm-hmm. And yes. they actually have those same issues that they're uh, the service, the underground subway they have up there called BART. They actually have places where they try and restrict travel from time to time on those places. That's what I'm told because mm-hmm. of the homeless population, you know, that's mm-hmm. subjecting people to that. And I think, though, in, in San Francisco, you're dealing with a more entitled society as opposed to what you're dealing with in Los Angeles. The handouts are bigger in San Francisco, apparently. Uh, and that's yes. in turn, that's in turn. California what makes in more. general. Well, yeah, but a lot of them were a lot of them were self-deporting. They were going up to Oregon because they legalized all drugs. Mm-hmm. But that's just to get the better drugs. Yeah. But with the D, with the D.A. of San Francisco being one that is decriminalizing uh, poverty. I think is what he said. Mm-hmm. We, we've mm-hmm. got a long way to, to go to decriminalize poverty and, and despair. Uh, I don't know how you can decriminalize uh, poverty. Poverty is not a crime. It's allowing people to steal and rob for less than $950 each. each and that's them. the other thing right there is the $950. Uh, fe- it's a felony, right? $950 felony. It's, no, no, no. It's a misdemeanor. But now it's nothing. But yeah, it's a you have it's an a, over it's $950 a is a felony. Go. Over nine fifty? No, it's four thousand dollars for a felony. Four thousand dollars for a felony. Mm-hmm. Okay, I used to charge people with felonies all the time. It was over if it was over five hundred dollars. That's a felony. No, well, if there's a gun involved, it's a felony. Well, yeah, that's different. Yeah, that's different. I actually, I, I saw, I saw a video of a guy walking down, uh, uh, walking down a st- one of the main streets there in uh, in San Francisco. I think it was Lombard, and the guy has. He has a fence post over his shoulder like a baseball bat, you know, like a like mm-hmm. a major league baseball yeah, player yeah. walking up. And he's just smashing out car windows, right? He looks inside, nothing in there. He goes to the next mm-hmm. one, just smashes it out. And there's nothing they can do. Like, there's no. nothing they can do. That That's lawlessness. You can't have that in society, man. You just can't do it. That's every day here. They go on to say here, both of these stories from the past month are local tragedies. Taken together, they undermine the way America's homelessness crisis has taken on a depressing air of inevitability. 
not something that can be solved or even directly addressed, but an immovable fact around which we do our best to adjust everything else. I don't know if that's necessarily true. That's what they're making it out to be, but we're not actually taking the necessary steps. All these people that write these articles, just a disclaimer here, I never see them down there. I never see them downtown. I never see them at the food banks. I never see them on the streets. I never see them out when we did, when, you know, the medical, when we do, you know, like clean up scrapes, burns, cuts, whatever, you know, our little first, our little first aid station. They're not there. They're not there. These people hear something from somebody that they think that they know what's going on. They're not down there spending or if they do come down there it's a photo op they'll go and they'll like they like down down the way at one of our centers here they cleaned up the whole area washed it down set up brand new tents gave them all brand new tents had everybody clean up they brought showers in there and had everybody groomed polished and everything and then shot a 15 minute clip max 15 minutes asked us some some question that i've never a person that i'd never seen before and then they're off on their merry way and that's what's going on and then they they then all of them write reports on that little report that that little news center did. So the photo they're, op. They're just it's just a photo op. And that's that's what these and but a photo at least a photo op, at least they're down there. The people that are writing most of these articles are getting their information from the people who did the photo op. Mm-hmm. They're not spending time down there. They're not interacting with anybody. They're not in and understanding that it's it's not most of the people there aren't because I missed a paycheck. It's Mental health and drug, and some people say drug addiction is mental health. So pretty much all of it is mental health issues, drug addiction and mental health. And giving somebody a house won't stop the problem. It'll just make more problems. You know, I'd mentioned that to you at one point in time because, I mean, I I talk to people from different parts, you know, whether it's the U.S. or or Europe or whatever, and they all seem to have the same kind of, or at least the the Europeans do. They all seem to have like the, the basic idea that if you just somehow give these people the things that they need, then they're just miraculously going to change. But no, I, I understand. I understand because I mean, you don't have to tell me I've been out there. I mean, I've been out there. I've been out there and worked. I work, granted, I worked the criminal side of it, and there's a lot of crime that leads you down into those places. But simply having an opportunity, as opposed to just giving everybody everything that you think that they need, all you're doing is you're just creating a bigger problem if you just do the hand out rather than the hand up. Right. We've talked about Mm -hmm. that before. Mm -hmm. They're talking here specifically about L.A. L.A. has consigned an entire neighborhood to the street homeless. But what is new is the sense that we might finally be able to do something about it. For the first time in a decade, Democrats control the executive and both houses of Congress. The American Rescue Plan Act that President Joe Biden signed in this month contains a big investment in fighting homelessness. I didn't even see any of that in there. Uh, Or wait a minute. No, homeless programs. I, I did see that. Yeah. That, yeah, the housing. Yeah, homeless programs don't always go to the homeless. Correct. Yeah. 90% addition, of it is just people getting paid. Yeah. In addition, $21.6 billion for low-income renters. It contains $5 billion for housing vouchers specifically targeted at at-risk renters and $5 billion in home grants, which uh, home grants, uh, apparently we're just giving away homes now in, for $5 billion, mm-hmm. which cities and counties can use to invest in permanent supportive housing to prevent homelessness. The entire annual outlay for the federal Section 8 housing vouchers, for comparison's sake, is $22 billion a year. So we're, okay, they seem to think that just giving someone a home prevents homelessness. No, that that's not what that's not what happens. A, Do you know what happened this- to the trailers that they gave people with the COVID homeless people here? Do you know what happened to the trailers? No. 
They stripped them of all the metal. They stripped the trailers of all the metal in the trailers to sell them for drugs. Wow. Making the trailers unusable. The drug addicts, the drug addiction is people that are normal, normal human, you know, normal, not, I don't want to say normal, people that are not taking drugs, that spend their lives outside of the system, do not understand the mental state at which these people that are suffering from drug addiction are. They will sell their children for drugs. That is true. That is true. You, you start getting in there and you and you understand what's fueling a lot. I mean, that's and that's where I was going to go with it was all this is being fueled by drugs. All of it. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got an opioid epidemic in the U.S. that everyone seems to be ignoring. Now, this is interesting because the, the writer of this op ed out of Slate goes this way with it. Listen to this. To diagnose the homelessness in their own towns, people have tried to convince themselves of many things. It's the weather, drugs, social estrangement, low wages, state disinvestment in psychiatric care, in caring for people with disabilities, in services for veterans. Okay, so let me let me just put it this way. We started closing mental institutions in the United States 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So like I said, the last time we spoke on this, we've turned the streets into an outpatient ward. So we haven't actually fixed the problem. We're giving people the services that they supposedly require in the streets rather than in institutions that are actually going to help facilitate the actual response that they need and and get them rehabilitated back into society. So Mm -hmm. we've removed that and we've Mm -hmm. somehow turned the streets into an outpatient where we can't be doing that. Right. That's not how. No, that's not how you do that. That's only a few percent of the of the homeless population. It's a very small percentage. Right. Which you explained that to me when I was watching some uh, some dash cam footage of people that drive around like Skid Row and stuff and like downtown Mm -hmm. L.A. and all that stuff. And, and we're specifically talking LA. I mean, I know you got high numbers in like New York. You've got a hundred thousand in the streets. We we have sixty thousand just Is it in 60, this one little area, just in well, that area. You got it in that area, just in that area. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I'm picking. We're not I'm talking about on whole, LA. The whole state. Yeah. Is a lot. Yeah. I, I'm picking on LA for two reasons. One, mm-hmm. it is a growing problem there, and two, you specifically do work with outreach programs there, so you understand mm-hmm. the problem better than anybody, better than any of us. All I see are. Uh, the dash cam footage and stuff of people driving around down there. And you tell me that whenever you see a sp- like one person laying off in the off to, like a sidewalk by themselves, mm. that's a real homeless person. The rest of them are there mm. because of addictions. Addictions. Yes. I Mental. Mean, uh, if you see one person up there, that's you gotta also just understand is if you want to get checks from the government, you also have to claim a mental disability or a physical disability to get more money to support your drug addiction. There's, it's this whole it's this whole cycle that goes on down there that the public doesn't understand. There's, it's a whole structure, economic structure is going on on how they're making money. Um, but yeah, if you want to have a mental, you, you know, and also what happens when you are suffer from malnutrition for, you know, you could go in as a minor drug addict, like like Skid Row, you go into Skid Row as a minor drug at, you know, minor drug addict, say, say you've got some light drug problems or whatever, and you just don't want to be at home. And um, so you go there and, you get into harder drugs and your addiction gets more severe. And then you start suffering from malnutrition. Well, then mental, you start having mental problems. You start having psychological problems and that's a continuation. So was it that they already had mental problems to begin with? You could say that, but the drug addiction makes it worse. And that's why they're saying, well, look, all these people have mental problems. They didn't start out that way. It was long-term no, drug abuse and malnutrition. Yeah, and you know, I, I've read several stories, and I, I've—I mean, like I said, I, I worked in in that over there. But you see people that get down into the drug world, right? Get down into that mm-hmm. uh, into that environment, and you know, they didn't start that way, as you said. 
They didn't start mm-hmm. that way. Every drug addict I asked, every single one, every single one that I ever arrested, I said, I asked them the same question. And I still remember all those answers that I got. Where'd you start? How'd you start? Every single one of them said the same exact thing. Marijuana. Marijuana. That's what yeah, they all said. Marijuana is really, marijuana is the big one. Alcohol is another one, but. Yeah. Now, and I've, I've seen stories before of people that have, for example, sports stars, and uh, people that have, have played uh, sports in high school looking for their shot when they get to college and go pro mm-hmm. and they have problems with pain, whatever, you know, if it's contact sport or whatever, right. doctors will put them on opioids. So they'll get put on painkillers. And then, of course, the prescriptions will run out or they'll change doctors or whatever. and They won't renew that prescription. And then they resort to street drugs to try and, and get yeah. the same effect. That's what gets people turned down into this uh, and, and down into that lifestyle. And the question becomes is how do you get them out of that? How do you work them out of that? Well, first and foremost, one thing that they're not mentioning in any of this, see, they're they're just looking at, again, throw money at it, right? The American Rescue Plan was to throw, uh, what was it, $5 billion in home grants. Well, what are we doing to provide these people with a social support structure? Where's that? Why why is that not there? What about spiritual guidance? I I don't care what what faith it is. What about spiritual guidance? Okay, there's, 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 there's churches down there. I understand. I understand. But my point is, is that we're ignoring all of these things that you need to build a solid foundation for yourself to lift yourself up to get you out of that. So a lot of people think that if you just give them stuff, you just give them a home, you give them clean water, you give them electricity, and all of a sudden that problem's just going to right itself. Well, no, that, that's not what this is. You're talking about a massive addiction problem here. So where do they go? Right. Where, where do they go? If you if you just go through and you shove all this money at that problem again, does the problem increase or do you actually have any change? Because I've seen people I've seen people recover. I have seen people recover, mm-hmm. though it is few. I've seen people recover. And you know what? It's always the ones that I read about that make the recovery. They always say someone gave me a chance. Someone gave me an opportunity. Right. Family reached out. Pastor reached out preacher reached out, whatever. Somebody reads their story somewhere and they grab a hold of them and say, we're here to help you if you want to be helped. And that's usually the recovery stories I see. Now, is that to say that you can do that with everybody? I don't think so. I don't think so. No. Because you know just as well as anybody, when you try, and believe me, I, I tried uh, when I was when I was in the mix over there, mm-hmm. as I said, working the other side of it, but I tried helping people and they just don't want to be helped. Some of them just don't want to be helped. You right tried then, at that yeah, moment. Right then, right then at that moment. And that's that's it's the not thing. Tried. It's, it's tried. It's tried. It's a never ending process. You're always trying to, you know, give that hand up. Yeah. I mean, you're just. You, you, I, I know you people to this day. Because there is hope. Yeah. I, I know people to this day that are still mixed up in it. I know I know some people today that are still yeah. mixed up in it. And here's the thing. And I know people that's, that have talked to me and said, you know, like parents of the people that mixed up mm-hmm. in it. They say, well, you know, what, what am I supposed to do? And I said, there's nothing you can do as, as terrible as, and that's the terrible thing you have to say to that parent. You know, that's the mm-hmm. horrible thing you got to say to them is that there's nothing that you can do. And the reason that there's nothing that you can do, and this is what they don't understand because they think that you can just go right at them. They're not going to hear you because they're in that world. They're locked into that uh, perpetual cycle of addiction. They are married for lack of a better term to that addiction. They're not going to hear you. 
And here's the thing. This is the sad part about it. You have to get that person. If you really want to reach that person, then at least in my experience, you have to let that person see it and experience it for themselves. They have to see rock bottom coming up at them. They have to see it. And if they and and the worst part is, is you don't know if they're going to make it right. You don't know if they're going to live or die. And you hope it doesn't kill them, especially if it's someone, you know, Mm -hmm. and someone you love. Yes. They have to see that rock bottom coming up at them and they have to pull themselves back from that ledge before they go off of it. That's the only way that they are going to snap out of it on their own. That's the only way. And then when they snap out of it, when they decide that, hey, I need to make a change here, that's when they need the support structure. That's when it needs to Mm -hmm. come in. So you, you can't just go out. And but they have, really they have to really decide. They have to decide. They have to really decide. It's not one of these where you can have an intervention and everything's going to be all yeah. OK. That's that's not how it works. But and even when they decide the addiction it still takes 97 percent of a back down. Yeah. For example, how many times you have probably lost count of this? I think I've asked you this before. You probably lost count. of this. How many times have you gone down there to do the work with the outreach programs that you do? Mm-hmm. How many times have you gone down there? And gotten somebody to say, yes, I want to change my life. I want to change my life now. <laughs> and I'm willing oh, to go with you now. How oh, many, no, okay, let's with start with this. No, how many no, of you asked? With- <laughs> how many of you asked in your best estimation? Oh, between the group, between everybody that's been yeah. asking? Uh, yes. Thousands. 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 Okay. And how many have actually gone with you or with a member of your group that works with the outreach? Um, 15, maybe. 15. And what's the success rate? Zero. 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 Uh, that's, have, but that's getting them off of drugs, getting them, off, getting them yes. long term off of drugs. But here's the thing. Here, here's the comparison. Yeah, here's the here's the comparison line I want to draw here. Mm-hmm. Everything that they're talking about in this op ed about mm-hmm. the homelessness, the outreach programs and others like the ones that you do charity work with, mm-hmm. they offer all these things. Mm-hmm. They offer the rehab. They offer the housing. They offer the mm-hmm. the assistance, the living assistance. It's it's the it, it only can last so long. Here's the difficulty, you know, because we start you consider a, a starting a success after six months and then a year as in they're getting a foothold. The problem is, is the funding will generally end before they're six months. And at six months, they're vulnerable and you're telling them to get a job or you supplied them with a job and they're having to live sober for them. I'm using their words. I have to live sober with two roommates in a room with a shared shower, and I work forty hours a week. Uh, yes, you're it's a miserable a existence. It's <laughs> a it's a miserable existence to them because just a short short period of time ago, for them, they didn't have any hours to go to work. They didn't have necessarily roommates, and they were loaded all the time. They lived in a dream world where they're just in la la land. So. It's hard to sell the idea that it gets better. You know, you will find enjoyment in seeing a forest, climbing a hill, working out, you know, travel. You will get there. But it's hard to tell that someone that they've been going through trying to sober up and their addiction problems and and loneliness and all these things for that first six months. But that's where the support structure and the spiritual side of things has to come in. You've got. To. I think the spirit. Well, the spiritual side is part of it. Like one of the programs, the big one is uh, it's got it's got a spiritual angle to it, and it, it's hard to get somebody that's. Getting somebody that just started getting introduced into the drug world, whatever, is it's relatively simple. Somebody that's been in for like a couple months or maybe less than a year, getting them out, that is piece of yeah. cake. But somebody that's been doing something every day for five years, just say five years, which is a low end on a lot of these people. 
it's a five-year habit, mm-hmm. you know, and to get them to change that, it's 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 extraordinarily difficult and it's awful. And you're not gonna we're not gonna fix this homeless problem with giving them a house, giving them anything, because it's just gonna make more addicts. It's gonna make more homeless people or more people that are living off of that lifestyle. I don't know where. I did see that there's another initiative on, and I think you've told me that this has been attempted in the past, uh, and that's these small houses in Los Angeles, these little yes, tiny houses. Yes. In fact, I know got an associate that's she's uh, she's getting them together. She's getting more funding. It's it's pretty awesome. But they're new. The people that are running it have never dealt with absolute homeless people. They've dealt with uh, people that have had money or have drug addictions or or have had problems and or housing low income people that are really trying to get ahead. They've never dealt with somebody that will go in there and literally strip every piece of metal out of there, every appliance out of there, and sell it for crack or heroin or fentanyl or any of those drugs they've they've they're i i think it's a great program but i they're i think they're gonna get in over their head sadly yeah because there is uh, there's another side to it that again that's not being considered here as i said when someone is addicted to something they're going to do everything they can to fuel that habit yes and i remember yeah everything i i remember i was working a case including selling themselves yeah yeah i i was remember i was working a case one time and it was this uh, this guy, uh, he was, uh, was a horrible, horrible heroin addict. The guy would literally do everything. He didn't care about the police. He didn't care about going to jail. He, he didn't either. care about anything. He didn't care. I, I remember he, he just didn't care. And when I finally was able to arrest the guy, and and I know some, I, I know several people that had, had arrested him before. I mean, I was t- I was told about him. And then once I got the case pushed onto my desk, I said, okay, this guy. Okay, you guys have been telling me about this guy. And they're like, yeah, he's yours this time. And I'm like, okay. So I started building a case on this guy. One thing I learned, that was my first case where I learned that people that are in that addiction process don't care. They don't care. They don't care about themselves. They don't care about people around them. They don't care about going to jail. They don't care about being arrested. They don't care about any of that stuff. They don't care about damaging property. None of it. And I think that was my first, one of my first wake up calls. I mean, I had several, but that was one of my first wake up calls was the fact that because I think about it, the opioid epidemic 15 years ago was nowhere near the level of what it is now. Nowhere near the level. Mm -mm. It's exploded in the last 10 to 15 years. But nonetheless, it was in small pockets 15 years ago. And that's about the time period I'm talking about, about 12, 15 years ago. And this case is the one that actually woke me up to the reality of what is an opioid problem, like how someone gets put into that cycle. I mean, this was a heavy user. Uh, and God only knows what happens or what's happened to him now. I guess I should probably look him up. He's probably dead uh, if he didn't straighten his life out. Because people like that, in that condition, what it was, they usually don't last long. Mm-hmm. But the tiny house idea or the, you know, trying to solve the housing crisis or something, if someone's got an addiction problem or a substance abuse problem, as I said, they are married to that addiction. They are married to that abuse, uh, that substance abuse. They're not going to hear mm-hmm. anything else. They're going to do everything they can to fuel that habit, including damaging property. They don't care. They don't care. Mm-mm. You got to retitle it, though. You got to understand it. It's it's a uh, it's not an opioid problem. It's a mostly harmless euphoric substance movement. We couldn't have a, a serious debate without GP being sarcastic <laughs> at least once. You have to look. You, you just have to. Sometimes you, you just have to let let it go. Just I know I, the last time I the last time I was talking the the homeless with you, you were talking about the uh, the homeless camp that's just down the road from uh, where you live there, and you oh, say, God, "Yes, they got six lawnmowers. There's no lawn. <laughs> yeah, they have no lawn. Yeah, six lawnmowers and no lawn. It's awesome. Yeah, of course, 
of course they they bought them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. New York City. Falls under that 950. Yeah. New York City, as I said, they've got about 100,000 in the streets. Of it. That was before COVID, right? 100,000 in the streets. And you know what? I mean, I spent time in New York, right? I, I spent time up there. And, and of course, you see you see bums sleeping on subway cars, right? I mean, you just see it. That's mm-hmm. just the way it is. But uh, they're saying here, New York City, the homeless, cap- or, yeah, the homeless capital of the country epitomizes this mismatch. Subway homelessness is the flashpoint. As I said, transit workers often complain about harassment and attacks, and more recently, getting the coronavirus from homeless people in trains. Governor Andrew Cuomo went so far as to shut the whole system down every night for the first sustained period since it opened more than a century ago to clear people from the cars under the guise of cleaning them. Right. Yeah. The big initiative to clean the subway cars. Yeah. Stuff. Uh, According to the city's point in time counts, there are 2000 people who sleep in the subway each winter. Of course, it's warm down there. You walk Mm -hmm. out, you walk out in the streets in New York. Right. You're walking through Midtown Manhattan and you see people laying on the sidewalks. They're not laying off to the side, they're laying over those grates, right? The heat coming up from the subway. That's what they're yeah. doing. You could rent each of them. This is what they say. You could rent each of them a decent apartment for a total of $50 million a year. That's what they say. $50 they million a year each 50, person? Uh, yeah, <laughs> they're paying right now. And these are these are staggering costs, right? The, the amount, of, the amount uh, of money that we're spending in services uh, and, mm-hmm. and things of that nature, outreach programs and, and all that stuff for each one is somewhere in the neighborhood of about forty dollars to $45,000 a year. That's, that's what they're paying over here. Yeah. That's that's crazy. That That's absolutely in crazy. Services. That's, do you know how good of a salary that is in the Midwest to the average Midwesterner? A yearly salary? California, that's pretty good. Not not very good. Yeah, I know it's not very good in like LA or New York. I get it. But 45,000, 50,000 a year in the Midwest, Bruce, that's not bad living. But that you got to really break down that number because it's not actually what they get because it's actually educational programs, yeah, education I mean, programs. Yes, I mean it in services, services, in services, uh, medical services. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, don't say that it's $46,000 per person and they're issued a right. check. Here's your 46,000. Have a good day. It's not like that. Oh, they would like that. Oh, my God, they would love that. I would love that. I'd go set up a tent. <laughs> You'd set up a tent, GP, no, for 40. No, no, what no, are you doing down here? No responsibility. Uh, you, do you have an addiction problem? No. Okay, no. well, then why are you here? I want my 46000 in cash. I want my 46000 Tax-free. Give me a check. Yeah, tax-free check. 46000 No. Not have to. Not have to have any responsibility. No work. No nothing. Get up when I want. Yeah. No, i just kidding. It wouldn't be me. I would lose my mind. Oh, yeah. And then I would be there after yeah. that <laughs> it's been a great conversation about the homeless yeah, yeah that's great let's just get I don't, off that you know what though i don't mind i don't No, that's a real social problem that is a real social problem and it's a it's a tragedy there's no excuse for that there, there's really no excuse for that but we're not fixing the uh, with all these with all these things they're talking about in this op-ed and all the stuff we're sitting like we're talking about real solutions on how to address this problem and no one wants to do that when i'm reading this all it is is throw more money at it. Again, that's the answer. It's like, what did Einstein say the definition of insanity was? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. That's all. Well, why doing. don't they push? Why don't they push the vaccine? Like, they, okay, this is something you guys probably don't know about, but back when I was um, early early years in education, I uh, they had come out with a cocaine vaccine. A what? A cocaine vaccine. I'd never heard. Seriously, of it. It, it still exists. Cocaine vaccine. You don't get high. They can do the same I, thing with heroin. I've they can heard do the of opioid blockers. With fe- yeah, yeah. What they, they can do, do this. in some places. They can do this. They can, especially now that they're they're come out with the RNA thing. They can still they can do it where you will not get high with any drug. The drug can still kill you, but you won't get high. If you don't get high with these drugs, we would end vast majority of our problem. But they don't want to push this. 
Well, yeah, because and, they'll lose who's money. they? Give me a name. Give me a name. Who's they that doesn't want to push this? Drug uh, cartels. Drug cartels. They don't want it. No. Drug cartels. And then who do, who who does drug cartels pay off? Politicians. So, I mean, in, in the end, yes, it's drug cartels do not. Because you could you imagine overnight we spray across the United States with chemtrails because it's not like we're doing it now. But with us, with um, this, uh, with a rhino cyrus type of uh, vaccine that makes you immune to, that makes you not get high from heroin and cocaine and methamphetamine. I don't, you won't be able to be done with methamphetamine, but heroin and cocaine. Just eliminate those addictions alone in the United States. Just Let's, cocaine and heroin. That's an interesting concept, though. I mean, these these things you're talking about. But that also raises the question about choice and ethics, doesn't it? I know choice and ethics and freedom. Like, we have freedom. Really, I can't open up a business down the street. I can't even open up a business in my house. Period. I can't. I'm not disagreeing with you, but I'm, I'm simply saying these are the th- these are the arguments and the pushback that you'll get. I know. I understand the arguments. But yeah, if they could do a vaccine. OK, if you get arrested, you know, they they have, uh, you know, man, don't they don't even have mandatory for pedophiles. They don't even have mandatory castration, do they? No, they don't. But they do have a registry. But I'm saying how to give them a vaccine, how to give people or I don't I don't know. But if we could give them all of vac- this vaccine and it's not really a vac- it's a it's a vaccine, but not a vaccine. Um, if you give them this, this blocker, it would eliminate so many problems. We'd have X, we'd be flush with money. We as a people would be flush with money. Politicians and cartels would not. If they're pushing on the coronavirus. You, it's mandatory to get a vaccine. Why can't they do the mandatory vaccine for heroin and cocaine? Yeah, but I mean, (laughs) okay, first of all, Here's the other thing, and this I heard this argument this morning and to that point. They can't mandate something that has been given emergency authorization. That's why they can't that's that's why they're having trouble doing it. Constitutionally they can. There, there's nothing stopping them from constitutionally mandating a, a vaccine. Even They've if it's not it approved before. Even if it's not approved. When it comes to healthcare stuff, because of the way the Supreme Court is nowadays, they will not side with the fact that in the preamble it says the government has the right to recommend health uh, concern or, you know, anything to do with health because they're not willing to stick by that. And they're saying that, well, the government has power to do that. If the government was to come out and say, we're going to mandate a vaccine, nobody's going to stand against it other than the people. As far as the government bodies, the politicians, and when I say politicians, I'm also meaning the Supreme Court, they're going to side with the uh, mandate. So technically, uh, using that as a standard, you could do a vaccine for, uh, as we were talking with drugs and stuff, technically they can. If you're a constitutionalist, uh, a fundamentalist, a literal, then no, you, you, you can't do that. Thank you, Alan Dershowitz. Seriously, it's unfortunate, it's unfortunate it that we've gotten to the point where the, the people really don't care about what the fundamentals of the Constitution says anymore. Doesn't matter. You, yeah, they don't, they don't care. But I figured out a way that you can get the the antidote for the uh, cocaine and heroin. Just start cutting it across the board and giving it out for free on, you know, some unscrupulous human beings. Only you. And eventually, like that, everybody, the vast majority of the population. I mean, free drugs is always free drugs. Yeah. And they won't turn it down. They won't turn it down. Well, yeah, another possibility is to um, uh, get politicians to invest in companies that are creating the this vaccine and then they'll push it themselves. So, I mean, you could essentially get rid of the the drug epidemic that we have. Yes. Um, whether or not, I mean, if your end goal is to get rid of the drug epidemic and you don't care about any kind of legal or, or constitutional means, then technically you could set up 
internment camps to anybody that's had you know any kind of drug addiction and just forcibly give them an injection. I mean, I, I can't see how that mm. would go wrong at all. Yeah, we've never seen that in history before. Mm. No, all I right. mean even in the U.S., we've we've seen internment camps. Yeah, so, yeah, and yeah. they're literally talking about COVID internment camps and you know, all the rest of it and COVID passports. Yeah, all right. You got anything else? Those on that were just before? no. Those were temporary vacation. Yeah, mandatory temporary vacation. Yeah, camps. The, I tell you what, the COVID. Oh my gosh, thing, the COVID passport thing that has got so much pushback. <laughs> we're like, we got stuff we want to do. Like that's on hold because we don't know what the Europeans are going to do about this COVID passport nonsense. Same thing with the British. Well, they're going to hopefully they follow the French lead there. Yeah, uh, I, I like uh, the idea of them bricking up the parliament entrances. That that was that was good. I, I want to I want to agree with you guys and say I hope they do with the French. And I do hope that the French I, I, we're sitting here <laughs> cheering on the French. Do you guys understand that <laughs> Marty's going to disown us right when he comes back? Our UK, we just lost our UK audience. Yeah. <laughs> well, then maybe the UK should suck it up and buck up and start doing something. Maybe you okay, should. They take can, some, I think they are. They can say something about us. They are. What about us? Yeah, yeah. Or, 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 I agree. I agree. Oh, I'm, the, I'm on board. I, I agree. The, 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 here in the U.S., where are the freedom-loving Americans that supposedly are out there? The English, to their credit, they're out in the streets protesting. I'll give them that. You know, they're holding protests in uh, in Leicester. They're holding protests in Bristol, which Antifa hijacked the other day. That was that was lovely. They're having protests in London. They're they're having these. The Americans, we're not doing it. We're not doing it. Well, you know what? You know when the people are going to stand up? When the checks end. Yes. Right now, we've got five. I don't know how many. How, what are we at? Five million. How many people are getting checks? Sixty million. Uh, there's another four trillion on the way. They're, they're I know. As long as they're getting checks, they're going to be peaceful. Yeah, that's as yeah, long that's as it. you can pay, as, keep your lights on. You're going to stay peaceful. Yes. As yeah. long as the water's on, as long as the electricity's on, as long as there's football yes. on the TV, as long as there's Netflix and I got my barbecue, I don't care. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I know. And that's the easiest push into socialism or a uh, economic uh, takeover from another country is mm -hmm. to be able to continue to do this. It's like, OK, you know what? Instead of fighting a war that would cost us uh, seven trillion dollars, let's just take. China, for instance, I'm going to use China as an example. Wherever Say China you said, you know what? An example. Where, where I know. I don't know. Idea like like if China wanted to take over the U.S. and said, hey, you know what? We're going to go to war with you and it's going to cost us, oh God, about seven trillion dollars to take over right, the United hold States. Hold on a second. In, just in for warplanes. Just for the sake of argument, you're, you're saying. If China wants to go to war with the U.S. and say, for example, I don't know, an economic war, for example. To well, no, no, a physical war. If they win a physical war, yeah. it would cost about $7 trillion because uh -huh. of the planes, the ammunition, uh -huh. the uh -huh. concentration camps, the prisoners, the whole nine yards, and cause a lot of, you know, a lot of problems with farming. And because you want to take over a country, you want to take over its resources. Right. Well, or you could spend $7 trillion and buy off the people, get them in line, get them already programmed for the agenda, and uh, just keep them that way. Huh. I think we're going through that, right? <laughs> I don't know. We are being trained More to be or less. So, we are trained to be we're trained to be fascio socialists every day. Trained. Yeah. yeah. Expect a check. Basic income, you know, that that universal basic income, yeah. Universal yeah. basic income. Yeah. Yeah. Let's switch up here a little and bit. And you'll own nothing about, and be happy. Yes, you're going to be happy about that. Let's uh, let's switch up here. Let's talk about what happened in Boulder. Another shooting. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was there one shooting or was it two? Was there one or was there two? It's one. Just uh, one. Yeah, it was. It was a supermarket. 
Okay, so Atla- okay, I'm thinking their, Atlanta. Okay, I'm thinking Atlanta. Right? The Atlanta, Atlanta shooting okay. was the Asian, the where they where they um, massage parlor. The, yeah, the massage parlor. Three different ones. Yeah. Yes. Well, went to yeah, the massage so parlor. Where you can get a handy if you want. Yeah, it shot up the place. Okay. So okay, that's speculative. <laughs> the dude was going at one o'clock in the morning to get a massage. What else are you doing? Who in, gets I a was massage not. I was getting massage. I was getting. Oh, oh <laughs> sorry, sorry. I was, I was trying to. Oh man, sorry. I just, woo, woo. Not a yeah. guilty conscience, I swear. Okay, uh, <laughs> cut. Let's restart. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sorry. Woo. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy. Yeah, yeah. To be fair, at those parlors, specifically of the, I know. It's it's gonna sound racist, but of the Asian descent, there is a lot of human trafficking that goes on there. That's and true. That is if true. If you're trying to pay off debts, what's a good way to pay off debts? Sex. That's true. Um, let's 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 talk about Boulder. Okay, so what happened in Boulder? What what's the uh, what's the deal with Boulder? So a guy shot up they, a, a grocery store. Is that right? They they uh, withheld his identity after knowing immediately who it was for 24 hours mm. in order to push a specific so they agenda. Got the narrative right. Yeah. All right. So they yeah, got the, so narrative, they right. the narrative right. <laughs> okay. So, so they already started pushing a narrative right off the bat. Right. But okay. So let, let's, because they let's were, go with they, Go ahead. Let, let's go with this. So I'm seeing reports that someone live streamed it. Is that correct or is that not correct? So let's clear that. Uh, correct. There was a. Uh, let me let me get the guy's name. ZFG Videography was the YouTube channel. So it's a uh, we'll, we'll say a, a pseudo reporter or someone that goes out and gets footage anyway. That that's kind of what this person was. They they weren't like affiliated with the shooter or anything. Um, not like what some of the conspiracies are saying right now on the left. They're saying uh, that the shooter uh, live streamed it, and that's not the case. Okay, so he went in to uh, to shoot up a grocery store. I'm seeing here uh, it says says YouTube won't remove a three hour live stream video of the mass shooting in Boulder. Uh, video falls under its news and documentary rules or coverage rules, so that's why they're not removing it. I guess people are uh, are pretty uh, pretty shook up about it. Uh, about what's on it. Uh, it's been viewed well, around a half a million times. Part of the reason that they're going after this guy that did the recording, he didn't offer aid to any of the people that had been shot, right? He wasn't offering aid. He was documenting the incident. So that that's some of the criticism that he's getting there. Okay, so the uh, the guy, okay, so they, they got the shooter, yes? Yes, okay. they did get the yes. shooter. Yes, he was wounded. Okay. Uh, and how many people did he, okay, 10 people, yeah, 10 people dead. One police officer was shot in the leg. All right. Uh, again, as I stated from when we started, do you guys not find it interesting that now all of a sudden there's going to be, uh, like they've, we've been hearing that there's gun legislation coming and now all of a sudden right on cue, there's this that happens. Of course, there was the one that happened down in Atlanta. Biden went down there. He tripped up the stairs going to air force one, right? Getting down to Atlanta. And of course, did you guys know Kamala Harris is now pushing her, Asian descent because of what happened in Atlanta. So now she identifies with a member of the Asian community, oddly enough. So awful convenient. She is Asian. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awful, awful convenient that she only does that now. She was Indian when she was uh, went into the Senate. Right. Yeah. And then when she went as president, she was black. Yes. Now she's Asian. Now she's Asian. All that aside, you have to understand we're in the era of identity politics. So we have to tick the boxes. That's all that is. It's a talking point. It's an agenda. That's all they're doing. Gender's fluid. So why why can't your nationality be fluid? That's again, exactly. Same point. Same point. So, okay. But my issue, okay, now gun legislation. Biden wants a full assault weapons ban, right? Which what the hell's an assault weapon, right? What is that? Well, I, I if, come f- if you 
go by the from? 80s definition yeah the 1980s uh was it 86 or something like that i don't know it was back in the 80s uh mm-hmm. the legislation they tried to place back then on assault weapons was any weapon with a uh any semi-automatic weapon with an uh above 10 round magazine i was going to a gun show one time and we had to drive across town the city had an assault weapons ban the city right they consider it to be anything that can hold more than 10 rounds well for god's sake you know, you got a handgun that holds 12 rounds, 13 with one in the chamber. What is that? That's an assault weapon. According to that that edict, uh, unconstitutional <laughs> edict, I would add, uh, that's not a law. That's not a, that's not even an ordinance. It's unconstitutional. Shall not be infringed. That's pretty clear. That's pretty clear. Yeah. Long story short, you'd have to drive around the city in order to get to the other side of the city. So you have to go an hour out of your way to get to where you need to be that would take five minutes to get across town. It's ridiculous. But anyway, side issue. Now they're saying Biden gave a statement and he says that it was time for the Senate to push through common sense gun reform laws. And he wants specific action taken on assault weapons and high capacity magazines. What is a high capacity magazine? I would like to ask. Let's start there. Let's start with that one. First of all, common sense. That's got no place in any of this. Lack of common sense is what led you to this point. So don't sit there and talk about common sense when you have none. Okay, first of all. Second, high capacity magazines. What is a high capacity magazine? A 30 round magazine in an AR-15 is a standard magazine. That is not a high capacity magazine. I don't care what politicians say. That is a standard magazine. So what are you defining as a high capacity magazine? What are you defining as an assault weapon? Because I just described what my city considers to be an assault weapon. And that's not an assault weapon. I believe so this is already let's, this is already dig into the it. house. You're kidding me. And I'm pretty sure it's already made it through the house. This is it's being pushed on to the okay. Senate. All right. Well, here's what they're going to do. Because they have a clean sweep, they don't care. And they've got nice, unscalable walls all the way around the Capitol building with a lot of razor wire. Or what did you call it, GP? Mostly... Mostly harmless retention string. Mostly harmless retention string. That's it. That goes through the wall. That's unscalable. Mm -hmm. We've been wondering why they're leaving that wall up. We've been wondering why they're keeping the National Guard in D.C. I think they're about to do some really terrible stuff. As far as passing legislation, that'd be my guess. And they know that people are going to start showing up. By the way, uh, CNN is reporting this uh, gun control issue uh, as an uphill battle. An uphill battle. How do you consider that to be an uphill battle? It's a sheer cliff. Gun control is supposed to be met by a sheer cliff because the Second Amendment says shall not be infringed. So you should not be able to scale that wall to try to, to ban guns. But you're also talking to someone that is a literalist when it comes to the Constitution. And I believe that okay. fully automatics are legal to own. You guys as well. are missing but. the point. If we pass laws to stop guns, the criminals are going to be turning them in. I mean, look, look how effective <laughs> it's been with drugs. I mean, we made drugs illegal. And look how much, how, how quickly criminals stop doing drugs. Yeah, I'm here to murder's tell you. illegal. Speeding's yeah. illegal. Murder's illegal. Yeah. And that's yeah. crazy. Uh-huh. It's, it's gone down. You told, I mean, once you show somebody, you go the paper that it's illegal, they stop. I am telling you right now, I know people like restraining orders in the US. Those work all the time too. Who are legal gun owners mm-hmm. and they are not going to turn them in. Well, that makes them, that instantly makes them a criminal. Yeah. I understand. They're not, they're not, they're not law abiding citizens. But who decides who's a criminal at this point? Because nearest I can tell, the people who are the criminals are deciding who the criminals are. Yes. This is why when you have a country that descends into chaos and despotism or authoritarianism, when you have that in a country, you wonder why there are no organized crime groups 
that operate within that country because the state becomes the organized crime group. They are the crime lords. They oversee all of it. So the, the cartels that operate, they're just, you know, little subsidiaries and little little shadow groups that they got going out there and doing things. But in authoritarian countries, the state becomes the organized crime. And that's what we're seeing. The state here in the U.S. in this manner is becoming the organized crime. They are the organized crime. Yeah, like wanting to turn Washington, D.C. into a state. The capital of the country, which is supposed to remain neutral, that's criminal. Well, same and thing with George Puerto Washington Rico himself said, that if we turn the capital, which has been in several places, by the way, several places in the United States, into a one party, that's tyranny. Does anybody care, though? I mean, uh, it, it fits it, it fits their narrative now. It fits their agenda mm -hmm. now. So why does it matter that it's mm -hmm. I mean, they're in power now. And if they want to solidify their power. They need to do that kind of stuff. Right. Biden went on to say, and I'm quoting here, we can ban assault weapons and high capacity magazines in this country once again. You can't in this state. He goes on, he says, uh, and I'll, I'll clear that up in a minute. I got that done when I was a senator. It passed. It was the law for the longest time. And it brought down these mass killings. We should do it again. Yeah. Yeah. Brought down mass killings. Did it? Huh? Uh, yeah, right. They are talking about the assault weapons ban back in the 90s. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. It went from like four... To three. It did go down. But you can remember, though, if it's if it's in a if it's in a Democrat city and it's a shooting like one guy shoots four kids. Right. And this happens in Chicago. It happens in L.A. It happens all over the place. In fact, the vast majority of killings are like this. That's not considered a mass shooting. It's gang related. Do you think when a gang guy shoots up seven kills seven gang members, that that's called a mass shooting? Have you guys heard of these mass shootings? Chicago had one last weekend. Was it called a mass shooting? No, no, we've been no. talking about we've been talking. No, about No, it was 38 people were killed by guns. That was it. I understand. We've been talking about one guy shot four people. Yes. We've been talking about Chicago gun violence here for the better part of three years. You know that. Yeah. But and why isn't that considered mass shooting? I understand because it's gang related crime. That's why. Same no, thing. In the York. vast majority of the people do not because of because if they put up the faces of the people that are the vast majority of the shooters, it would go against an agenda. I understand. That's why they don't talk about it. And it's also gang crime. They never talk about gang violence. Gang violence, for example, right? Gang violence in Los Angeles. That's nothing new. That's been going on for no. how many decades now? Right? Yeah. Same thing in Eastern. Should we just have a shooting down the street here? Yeah. yeah same thing. In, oh, goodness. Same thing in East, U.S. Eastern cities, right? Philadelphia. You know what we used to call Philadelphia? Oh, we didn't call it the city of brotherly love. Not when we worked there. Yeah. We called it Killadelphia because yeah. there were so many shootings on a daily basis. Same thing with Cleveland. Same thing with Cincinnati. Same thing with Columbus. Same thing with Pittsburgh. Same thing with New York, right? All the boroughs in New York. You know, I actually heard somebody from the Bronx tell me that the Bronx has more killings right now with senseless gang violence than Afghanistan. We don't talk about that. We don't hear about that. We don't talk about any of that stuff because that doesn't fit an agenda. Because if you want to take out a specific group, you want to take out a specific, you know, socioeconomic group or whatever, you got to make them the enemy. All the usuals have weighed in on this one. Former President Barack Obama, or I would argue current President Barack Obama, I'm just, just speaking my mind here, calls for gun it's control mean, following Pelosi. the Boulder shooting. It's Pelosi. Oh, yeah. Pelosi, Nance. Isn't that what he said? Isn't that what Biden Nance, said? Yeah. I'll take questions if you want yeah. me to, Nance. Uh, <laughs> Do you know Reagan really? said the same thing? <laughs> yeah, his wife, Nancy. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm not joking, though. I, I'm actually being serious. He did say he, he'd always refer to Nance, you know, when his uh -huh. Alzheimer's was kicking in. Uh-huh. 
he did refer to Nancy. Senator Chuck Schumer from New York has weighed in on this one as well. His tweet says, my heart goes out to the people of Boulder and the families of those who lost their lives. This unrelenting epidemic of gun violence steals innocent lives with alarming regularity in America. I will bring universal background checks legislation to the Senate floor. Um, we already have background checks. Yes, we do. We call it a next check. Charlie, I don't know where you. Yeah, I don't know where you. Well, been. unless un, unless they're wanting to make it to where if you, um, you know, during the Obamas and during the Clintons, uh, if you went in for a background check, uh, it just so happened that the computers were down. You, it, it, you know, uh, I wonder if they're going to do something like that and just say, well, if you can't get cleared on a background check, you know, if it doesn't work, that you can't buy a gun. Uh, the current That'll standard is, is, and also yeah, I've heard, they, I've heard they want to make the price of going through, like they want to charge to get a next check done. And they want to charge about $850 yeah. to get a check done. I've heard that. And too. they also want to increase taxes on ammunition as well and accessories. Gee, um, how much is that going to go up for uh, government surplus buys? I wonder. Yeah, zero. Zero. Exactly. Actually, if I was the company making manufacturing it, I would double the prices for the government. I would too. I would too. Representative Cory Bush of Missouri said, we need gun control now. 26 lives taken in Newtown should have led the change. Nine lives taken in Charleston should have led the change. 17 lives in Parkland should have led the change. 10 lives taken in Boulder needs to lead to change. Our hearts cannot break anymore. We need gun control now. It's always the heartbreak that they always put out there, isn't it? It's always the heartbreak. It's always oh, yeah, they, they, they try to manipulate your emotions to, to what get gun what did he want. use? It's a good question. Uh, none of the articles I've seen so far have uh, exactly what gun did he use? They wouldn't they had they had his information and identity the first day, first hour. They didn't release it for 24 or 12 or 18 hours or 20 hours. Well, I mean, I, I guess if you're watching the live stream, you would probably see it. Yeah. But why is anybody what kind of gun? Well, uh, what I'm seeing here, they don't say. However, they say that for, according to an eyewitness, uh, I saw the gunman himself holding a semi-automatic rifle. On his way to the entrance, he had turned around and was shooting rapid fire at one particular target. Well, rapid fire to someone that doesn't understand what they're looking at could be as fast as someone can pull the trigger. That's a semi-auto. Right. Believe me, if someone is shooting a fully automatic past 10 yes. meters, you're not going to hit much. Uh, it depends on the, the model of gun and, and whatnot. True. But yeah, yeah. I'm seeing if they show any kind of footage or anything, and I'm not. The only, thing I see, the only thing I see is the eyewitness account saying that uh, the gunman was holding a semi-automatic rifle, but they don't say what kind. That could have been a long gun. That could have been a 22. Nobody knows. Could have been a shotgun. Could have been a shotgun. Low caliber shotgun, yeah. Somebody doesn't know. Uh, it says, um, they're, they're saying that in this article, they're saying that witnesses described uh, the weapon he had as an AR-15. You know something? I, I'm going to go but, back to the gun culture here. I, I'm going to go back to the gun culture because we're sitting here and we're talking about what they now say that they're going to step in and do. Okay. Let's talk about the gun culture because that's not what is being discussed here. Instead of the usual politicians coming out and talking about what should be happening as in promoting a culture of gun ownership, several countries around the world have cultures of gun ownership. They don't have problems. Although it does happen, it's very rare, right? They don't have problems because they have a solid foundation. Mass shootings are actually down, according to the FBI's own statistics, right? According to their own statistics, mass shootings are down 51% from the 90s, from when they put the assault weapons ban in. 
According to their own statistics, they're down. So no, they're not up. If you were to watch the media, you would think that they're through the roof. They're not. But we knew that this was going to happen, didn't we? We knew that they were going to switch the agenda. Something else was going to happen. And what did I say months ago? I said, what are you people going to do now when COVID fails? You're going to blow something up? You're going to shoot up a place? Is that what you're going to do? Because here they are. They're right on cue. It just happens to be laid at their feet whenever they need it. But what's not happening here, what is not happening is the culture is not being promoted at the grassroots. That's not what's being promoted. I grew up in the Midwest. Bruce, you grew up in the Midwest. Different culture from what you would see in, for example, like L.A. and New York, right? No offense, GP. Different culture when it comes to firearm ownership. I've been around guns since I was five years old. Five years old. I've said it before many times around here. Bruce, you've been around guns since probably about the same time. Mm Mm-hmm. So when we when we've learned to shoot our first uh, BB gun and our 22s and all the rest of, you know, once you get the BB gun down on the paper target, you graduate up to the 22. Right. It's usually one that was spring loaded daisy. Yeah. 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 Usually the one that once you step up to the 22, usually it's one from your your father, your granddad. Yeah. It's usually one of those. Yeah. And, you know, father 22. Yeah. And and you know something? Then you step up to larger caliber, uh, you know, high powered rifles. You step up to shotguns for hunting. Right. That kind of stuff. And I'm not going to sit here and equate the Second Amendment in the United States to hunting. That's not what it's about. It's about an oppressive government coming after you and stealing your rights away. That's what it's about. But what's not happening is we're not having the discussion about creating that gun culture to keep people responsible in gun ownership. We're not having that conversation. That's the conversation that needs to be taking place. Not, oh, we're going to go out there. and We're going to ban all guns. No, you're not fixing the problem. As GP said, oh, let me guess. All the criminals are going to turn their guns in. No, they're not. <laughs> that, that's the craziest argument. Oh, you ban guns. That's going to stop all the crime. No, no. As a matter of fact, that's going to cause the crime to increase because only the criminals are going to have the guns. If you take the guns away, you're taking them away from the honest people. That's all you're doing. That's all you're doing. You're giving free reign to the criminal world to come in and walk all over the people along with the criminal state at that point. That's all you're doing. Gun control to people like us that have been brought up in the culture means using both hands. It doesn't mean... And being uh, responsible about it. Be, yeah, being yeah. responsible about yeah. it. Yeah. But I'm for uh, the the baseline, what they're saying, gun control. Uh, yeah, actually, I am. I'm for having uh, uh, systems in place to give people training, if they so choose, on how to properly I use, agree. maintain a firearm. I that agree. is my version of gun control. Yeah. I agree. The concealed carry, I'm glad they have it. Okay. I'm, I'm just going to say that. I'm glad they have it. But I'm also a proponent of you have no business owning a gun or operating a gun if you don't know how to use it. I've always been a big proponent of that. If you want to be around a gun, you want to go out because I know a lot of a lot of people, a lot of people who are traditionally in America, right? The numbers we're seeing as far as background checks, they're breaking record numbers of people buying guns, first time buyers, especially. The people that we're talking about here that are buying the guns for the first time, a lot of people are of the, um, I, I don't want to get political here, but they're, they're of the left mindset, okay? So the, the liberal left, right? The, um, the politically correct left, okay? But they're buying them for different reasons. They're buying them for reasons that don't exist, okay? That's why they're buying them. But here's uh, the thing. Some of them, some of them are buying it for protection. Yeah, there are, are some it. on the left that are, yes. uh, yeah. I know people, the, I know people that are on the liberal left and they're buying their first gun. They're buying the first handgun and they're going through and they're getting their CCW. They're going through and they say, you know what? I'm actually glad that I took that. They're buying it for protection. And they say, I'm actually glad that I took that course because now I know how to properly use it, how to properly handle it, care for it, store it, uh, use it if I, if I need to, you know, God forbid. 
That's that's a, that's the worst thing you could do. You know, you have that in the hopes that you don't need it. That's the point of it. I want to push back real quick. I agree with you on principle of the idea that, OK, if you're going to have a firearm, you need to know how to use it and maintain it. I agree. However, that is a a general rule. It is not a law. And, and by that, I mean, the Constitution says you have the right to own a gun, period. No restrictions shall not be infringed is pretty damn clear. So uh, in, in that sense, even if you don't know how to use the gun and maintain it, you're still allowed by the Constitution to get a firearm. Now, you're stupid for not going out and learning how to use it and maintain it. But it's more of like um, you should be shunned by society, not legally barred from buying one. It, it, that's the slight difference I have there. Bruce, you didn't let me finish. I like the idea of the CCW. I didn't say that I agreed with all of it. I personally don't think that we need to have licenses to carry guns. I think if oh, you no. own a gun... I, I, Licensing is completely different. That, that's on a different like oh, licensing okay. right. period. I, I was meaning just, just the ownership of a gun, oh, period. Yeah, okay. You right. shouldn't have to go through any hoops to, to own one. Right. Yeah, um, yeah okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. I, yeah, I agree with that. But uh, at, at the same time... I think that people taking training courses, I mean, and, and I've I've gone to a lot of, I know a buddy of mine who runs a gun shop uh, in the US and he's got a shooting range, you know, a three lane shooting range right off the store. So that's attached to the store. So if you'd see something, you say, hey, you know, I, I kind of like that that Walther there. I like that, uh, that Glock. Uh, you know, I'm interested in that Glock. And he'll always say, would you like to shoot it first? We could put you up here with a magazine over here and give you a paper target, let you try it out. And they've got instructors on staff and they'll step over there with you. I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm totally for training and teaching people, but I don't think it should be, I don't think it should ever come into the realm of legality. I think it should be more of like a, as you're saying, culture, it should be more of a, you know, uh, training, if you will, by choice, not a training by mandated by law. I, I, I would prefer getting them all out of out of the way. Legally. Yeah, of course, so. we're sitting here and we're, we're talking about, you know, training by licensed legal and all that stuff. When in reality, the underlying point here is, is that we think that the gun culture should be taught at home in the family. Right. Yeah. That's where it should yeah. start. Like you and I learned. That's how it should be. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been in I've been in altercations. Right. I, I've been in uh, in in situations before. Uh, you know, out on the street and things like that. Not one time have I ever felt the need to to use a firearm to solve that problem. Not one time. I've never needed to. Never needed to. And thank God. Yeah, I, I do believe that uh, if we're going <laughs> to promote- What you guys are considering, though, if you're promoting gun training in the home, not all families have the ability to teach their children about guns. I'm sympathetic And if that. you if you want to go, and, and there's a lot of people that aren't blessed being born in a household that has enough money to even pay for a gun. I understand. I, I'm not so, saying that that's I'm not saying that that's true in all cases. But my, my point is, is that every time we see all of these uh, shooting incidents or whatever, they come out and they blame the gun. They don't blame the fact that we don't have a culture, that that's been ruined. So they, they blame the thing. It's like if I go out, I mean, you know this, if I go out, it's it's about the agenda of, of banning that thing as opposed to what the underlying problem is. If I go out and I beat somebody with a baseball bat, they don't blame the baseball bat. They say, what in the hell's yep. wrong with you? It's the bat's fault. Yeah, <laughs> of course, GP. In GP's world, the bat is the bat is at fault. Yeah, because you didn't use the right bat. <laughs> yeah, I only I only carry Louisville Sluggers, GP. <laughs> okay. All right, we are out of time. We are going to have to go, but it's been a great conversation. I, I like the fact that we kind of stepped off the uh, the reservation there, and per se, in the beginning, uh, we got to talk about a, You know, a, a long time topic: the homelessness problem in the U.S. And you know something? I, I love it when we get we we sit down and we start talking about those things and we start bouncing ideas off of it because 
we need to be looking at I mean, you said it the other day, GP, you said change is hard, right? Change is mm-hmm. hard. And I think in that sense, when you look at the issue of homelessness in the United States, as a, you know, and you, you look at it in comparison with the opioid epidemic, change is hard. We're going to have to make some tough decisions down the line about how we're going to deal with that problem as a society. Uh, and that's one of those things, right? It, that falls into that category, I think. And it's, when you said that, that change is hard, it is. Uh, and it's, it's going to require some harsh medicine to fix that problem. Uh, and it's going to be some that the, uh, the tolerant people aren't going to like, I, I don't think, because you're actually going to have to fix that problem. You're going to have to cut off that drug supply. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what's going to happen. Vaccine, I'm telling you. If we can do a six month, make a vaccine against COVID in six months, if we spent that much money, we would cure drug addiction. Something to consider. As I said, we are going to have to go. Great conversation. We ran over a little bit, but that's okay. That's okay. Um, as, as the listeners probably noticed, we've been cutting back on the morning shows, and there's a reason for that. We're working on another project on the side, and we're going to be get, we're going to begin some more detailed work on that project. So we've had to cut back on the morning shows. We'll probably do a few more of those. But in the coming days, and I'm just going to announce it now, in the coming days, we're probably going to have to shut the morning show down. And anything that we would normally talk about on the morning show, we've tried to stay away from like political issues on the morning show, but we're probably going to have to cut that in the uh, in the coming days. And I do apologize, but we're going to take those topics and we're going to work them into our normal podcast. We're going to put out the one podcast. We'll make it a little bit longer, probably, but uh, we are going to have to cut the uh, the morning show because we just are not going to have the extra time to do it, unfortunately. Uh, but we will still put out a podcast every day. And also we're working on another thing uh, that I mentioned yesterday. We're working on taking live Q&A on our Telegram channel. So that'll be something else as well. We're cutting one project and we're starting another. So it's not exactly like we're losing anything. And, and to be fair, the other project that we're starting up, the live Q&A, you, the listener, you can take part in that. And you can actually come on and you can speak to us for two or three minutes or, or whatever it is, you know, however long you want to, uh, to sit down and speak with us. So I think by taking a little bit of that uh, that one project we were on and, and putting it to something that's more interactive, I think we might actually benefit from that uh, more than anything else because now we can get direct user input. But anyway, for those of you who have not joined Telegram yet, I don't know what you're waiting on. Get over there, get signed up to Telegram, get registered, search for us when you get there, search for Dynamic Independence or our public channel, we will pop right up. You'll be subscribed to us when you click join, you'll get all of our podcasts we put out every day and you'll also get an exclusive podcast we put out once a week and you'll be able to take part in the live Q&A when we get that implemented in the coming day. Also, if you'd like to reach out to us, you can do so anytime by dropping us a line at tips at dynamicindependence.com. And we would ask you to pass this along to friends, family, and known associates. We are trying to grow here as much as possible, but we do need your help in order to do that. So if you could pass this along, we'd appreciate that. We're available everywhere you get your podcast. Also, if you're rating podcast, if you can give us a rating when you get a chance, that would be great as well. Five stars would be a plus. Thank you very much. All right, gentlemen, that will do it for today. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you to all the listeners. Everyone have a great evening.